2: Really, a a history shifting day for the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, yeah, James to Davis and a chance for three.
1: If you're telling me that LeBron James has Anthony Davis available to him, excuse me, I'm rolling with the Lakers to win the title. This historic 2020
2: NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. um, What was he doing? Of course, drinking coffee with Nugget Johnson. Hey guys, welcome to a new episode of the Late Night Lake Show podcast. It is your host, Ricky and Kwame. We got our boy coming back into the building, our Bosnian friend by way of England right now. Uh, Alan, how you doing, man? Long time no see, brother. How you feeling?
0: Afternoon, guys. How are we?
2: afternoon it is afternoon it's for afternoon me too, too, it bro. Is. <laughs> it's good to see your face good to see you alive and well out in these streets first of all um congrats on the continued success for the lakeside chats congrats on the thank you that's uh for blipped in and everything that you do man you are a busy busy man interviewing very important people so we just wanted to give you our late night lake show shout out I'll let you know we appreciate you
0: thanks guys you know your recognition means the world to me honestly like you're my friends and i love you so yeah your your recognition means a lot to me so thanks for that
2: Uh, no Um, doubt brother well let's get into it man we we know why you're here you you've been sending us the messages you got you got some things to get off your chest and we're gonna allow you to grace our platform to get those thoughts off your chest when it comes to our los angeles lakers but before we get to that we just got to recap what ended up being one of the crazier games that any Lakers fan has witnessed since Ray John Rondo and Chris Paul having their little dust up and Brandon Ingram actually too, with James Harden and that whole uh, debacle back then and spit and all that fun stuff. We got blood on the court, ladies and gentlemen, the Los Angeles Lakers squeak. Passed, and we do say sweet pass the detroit pistons winning 121 116 last night at the little caesars arena in front of rip hamilton in front of ben wallace and in front of mr 81 dropped on his forehead that's why he has to wear beijing on his lining Jalen rose it all went down last night i was not able to watch the game live the laker fans that stuck around long enough and doesn't turn the TV in disgust, we're in for a treat. Fellas, both of y'all watch the game live. I just want a quick little reaction to the, to the dust-up. We got our boy uh, LeBron. Throwing a quick elbow, accidental, not accidental. I don't know. They're talking about bite lip gate today on the timeline. I think that's a little too personal for my liking. But it, regardless, we, we had a boy, uh Stewart from the Detroit Pistons, really just go delayed beast mode and try to do everything from run up on LeBron on the court to run around in the tunnel to fight LeBron. Um, just talk me through that experience. And then talk me through the Lakers actually coming back and winning with LeBron eventually ejected out of that game. Allen, how that time play out? Did you think the Lakers were dead in the water before, after, during? Just talk me through that crazy game yesterday.
0: I thought the Lakers were dead up until they started leading the game. Like, seriously, it was horrible to watch. Um, the Pistons played well, to their credit. It's probably one of the better games that I've seen this year. Um, helps that we don't know what we're doing offensively or defensively. Um, yeah, and then... The whole incident happened and Isaiah Stewart, I fuck with like legit, you know, he gets elbowed, there's blood in his face. He wants to beat someone up. I I get it. It's fine.
2: Okay, Um, But it's not like he wants to beat someone up. Like he was, he he like, he had red in his eyes, obviously from the blood, but he had LeBron locked in. I mean, listen,
0: when you're like a seven foot guy and you've been bigger than everyone your entire life, you don't care that it's LeBron James.
2: I think he kind of cared. Kwame do you think he kind of cared he had his opportunity do you think he thought about it I mean
1: we know these these NBA guys they know what they're what they're playing for is way worth more than any sort of fight so come on you're gonna sacrifice millions of dollars and being exonerated from the league over getting smacked in the face hey whatever man I'll take my millions I don't know about y'all I don't need to be (laughs) fake gangster for nobody you know it's cool he he did what he had to do he got a little he got a little jumpy you know was trucking people hit sticking them. it looked like madden 11 out there he (laughs) was he was running over coaches they were toppling over like bowling pins it was hysterical to say the least that man was funny just launching people left and right but come on if he really wanted to draw LeBron he would have done it the moment he turned his head but again these players know that it's bigger than that you know they're not obviously whether it's intentional non-intentional No matter what Isaiah Stewart was thinking at the moment, these guys are these guys are attaining generational wealth. You're not going to sacrifice all that for a fight on the court. Let's keep it a bean. So, you know, I see what it was, but I thought it was more comedy than anything. It was basically a drama that was daytime television right there. All my children, General Hospital. That's what that was.
2: Bro, it, I I fully enjoyed watching the replay this morning. Obviously, I don't like to see a guy get bloodied up, you know, get popped in my eyeball. I wouldn't feel too good about it either. But just the way that they convened, separated, then he lost his shit. Um, it It, it really just made me think about how bold Chris Childress was back in the day when he actually two-piece Kobe, when they were face-to-face. Like, yeah. Isaiah Stewart had the same opportunity the piece up brawn the same way Chris Childress, you know, landed two jaw shots on the goat. So I, uh, you know, I guess that's just how these things play out. I think it was a little stupid of him to start knocking down his own coaches. Like, brother, you're going to get in a little bit of trouble for that. But I guess anger is anger. I understand. Blake Griffin seemed to have a, a nice chuckle out of that situation because apparently earlier in the year, uh, Griffin and Stewart had a dust up when the Pistons played <laughs> the Nets, so you know, this is all it's all theater. Um, you know, obviously, the blood is real, so that gives it one step above WWE. Uh, whoa, performance,
0: so. whoa, 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 the blood's all in WWE, too.
2: Hey, what's they didn't do a blood? blood did WWE get a stray for what do you mean? It didn't get a straight Wait, they don't use blood packets like no, ever. it's ever. legit blood, so they re- okay. Like I don't doubt that folks be getting cracked, you know, and they start bleeding. But I swear there was like the tales of wrestling, like they wasn't always. now they use
0: blades, so they cut themselves open. What?
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, it's I I stand corrected. Yeah, I ain't going. I ain't going to fight that. So yeah, then it was on par pretty much with with wrestling. You know, the, the intent is not to hurt, but. Somebody got hurt in the end. So, and um, can we
1: take a moment, even in slow mo, LeBron threw that hand fast as hell. Yeah. To knock this man. And it was in slow motion. He was meek, and that
2: dude was leaking. Hey, imagine if he
1: threw a punch for real. He must have, you know, ninja strength or something.
2: He's crazy. Bronny and Bryson better watch that tape and just, you know, <laughs> just, just take a mental note. And like, yeah, he probably like the fun dad. Then you you guys probably getting older and running shit. But like that, that concerned me how, how quick and swift that that strike was from LeBron. And, you know, as a father, you, you never try to hurt your kids, but, you know, it's always nice to remind them where they are in the totem pole when they when they start getting a little broke. So, you know.
0: He's in that sweet spot right now where he's like peak athletic strength, but he's also hitting old man strength. Yeah, right? and old man yeah. strength.
2: <laughs> yeah, right, right. He right didn't understand his old man strength on that one. <laughs> so it's, it's finally kicking in. Right? So... He's like, oh, my bad, young blood. I didn't even mean to do that. <laughs> you were just pissing me off a little bit. And then, I, you know, I just reacted. And I didn't know. Now, 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 now you're orbital ball and cracked. My fault. That's yeah, my fault. He hit the mess out of that gentleman. But real quick, there. fellas, um, suspension is is LeBron about to be suspended? If, Talk they, to if, me. They,
0: if they weren't playing in Madison Square Garden next, I'd say yeah. But seeing as they're <laughs> playing point. in MSG next, I'd I'd say like a twenty thousand dollar fine. You know,
1: I don't think so. Obviously, the hit was accidental. But how many people really get suspended after flagrant twos? Like. People get flagrant twos all the time and get ejected from the game. And that is your punishment. I don't expect anything more, especially because it wasn't intentional. He literally threw that joint. Well, I guess, again, it'll determine what the NBA deems is intentional versus non-intentional. Correct. Obviously, he the movement was intentional. Smacking the dude in the face wasn't. Because he Isaiah Stewart, the way he was like trying to box out for that rebound, he was super low. like He wasn't at his normal standing up height. So as LeBron's like, yo, get off me. His face was a little too low when he knocked his lights out again. It'll determine on what that the NBAG just real quick. Yeah, it just de- it just depends. I doubt there'll be a suspension, but you know, you never. I know. don't
0: think either guy should get suspended.
1: Nah, I mean Isaiah Stewart should be AKA Beef Stew. That's a cold nickname. I'm keeping it a bean, but. I think he should see, he should see some fine from his own team for knocking over his That's coaches. like I was like about to
2: say. I think,
1: I think he should get an extended suspension. And off no. the team, I'm gonna find you for being reckless to the staff. But that, nah,
0: he's, he's twenty. He was born in two thousand
1: right? and one. Right, he's getting reckless. Like
2: reckless. The man's yeah, they have years no old than his son.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like <a>
2: son. <laughs> Crying. Yeah, no, it just you know a little poeticness. How this theater happens in Detroit. In front of Rip Hamilton and Ben Wallace. It's just, you know, just little, little notes, always honoring the past. And these things always tend to pop up. So um, on, on
0: the game, though.
2: Right. Cameron right. right Anthony
0: right. coming back to, you know, haunt the Pistons against great. We always love that.
2: They right? them. I'm watching back, Alan, to your point. Him and um Josh Jackson. Yeah. Um, yeah him and Melo kind of had a little thing going on during the game too. And you saw Melo anytime Cam was one-on-one with him. He took that personally. Cause I don't know if he, I don't know if they've gotten comps together or what, but you know, I think Melo sees that, oh, number one pick. Yeah. Let me, let me, again, I'm a little bit older, but all this wiseness about to come in and just, you know, do him in. And there were several times that, mellow guarding you know <laughs> guarding Cade and being iso on Cade that he took that assignment personally so shout out mellow that game for sure
0: hey this this the top of this draft cluster is legit though in all it seriousness
2: he did look Cade, nice Cade is
0: the truth man
2: he looked under control
0: Mo- mobley's the truth i'm really sad that he's missing time i was wrong about barnes in toronto he looked really really he never doubt of barnes yeah barnes uh, is good Jalen Suggs, I think, will be a really, really good. Like the top of this draft's legit, yeah. man.
1: Green's good. He's just got to put oh, on some weight. Yeah. Josh Giddy's incredible. I think Giddy's, Giddy's good. Giddy's, Giddy's good.
0: popped, man. Giddy's good. Giddy's good. good.
1: Yes, like good. him
0: and Shea is such a fun backcourt.
1: Yeah, this draft has some players for sure. That's
0: like that—that—that sure. that, that was my biggest takeaway because you know I'm not taking anything the Lakers do as being serious right now. Yeah. Um, I was—I was watching a game for Cade. I just want to see how good he looked and the. Kids phenomenal, like legitimately.
2: Hey, what's going on, y'all? It's Ricky, co founder of Late Night Lake Show. Just stopping by to let y'all know about a new sponsor that you guys are going to absolutely love. For the first time, the Late Night Lake Show is going to be powered by Symbol. Boom, boom, boom. Hey, what is Symbol, you ask? Well, I'm, I'm about to tell you. Hang on. Symbol uh, is a stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks. In and every time your team wins, you earn cash. You like that? Okay, get a pen and pad out. Get your phone notes up. Get your typings about to get good. Use your sports knowledge on symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your team wins. Join 7,000 early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams already. Visit www.mr.com. S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot com slash L-N-L-S. That's short for Late Night Lake Show to create a free account. And when you deposit, make sure to use that promo code LNLS to get free $10 bonus. How great is that? Use that $10. Invest it in your Lakers. Invest it in our Lakers. Everybody talking about how things are all doom and gloom. Guess what? Lakers stock's a little low right now. You invest. Watch that start to tick up. LeBron come back. That stock's going to shoot off. You made a few dollars just by not freaking out and trusting the vision of the Late Night Lake Show and our Los Angeles Lakers. Well, so, Alan, to your point of you are definitely in what we when we talk and stuff you're a very big picture person you understand that we are approaching not even you know 99 18 out of 82 right i'm I'm not a mathematician but we're we're pulling up on a fourth of the way through an nba season right it you could get some reads on directions but there is still a long, long, long runway to turn something around or for things to go completely to shit even further. Trust me, Lakers fans, if we think like this is a a turbulent time, it could get much worse. The Lakers are sitting here at 500 as the number eight seed in the West. The playoff seedings right now before February are pointless to talk about. (laughs) So, you know, you got to take all things in the totality, but the Lakers were able to come from behind in an emotional game, we'll call it, after LeBron James gets ejected for the dust up that we just got done talking about. Um, or you read these post game quotes and it makes it seem like this could have been a turning point in the season. You talk to the players, you hear Mello talking about this is where we find out who we are as a team during one timeout after LeBron got ejected. You hear AD after the game say, hopefully this will spark a little fire under our you-know-whats to get going. Um, Then, finally, you got the the voice of the Los Angeles Lakers, DeAndre Jordan, um, yes. coming through and, <laughs> and speaking positively about how this could be a, uh, a turning point for the season. But Russ, I think, had one of the quotes that I'd like to talk to you guys about. He said, when you finally break the seal and come collectively and get a big road win, it's important it gives you momentum kind of leading into the next game. Well, we are going to play a quick little game of buy or sell for these Lakers quotes. Fellas, are we buying that this dust up come from behind win against the Pistons is actually going to be the turning point in what has been a, if nothing else, extremely frustrating season? Or are you selling it and this is just going to be another instance of the Lakers say all the right things and then turn around and show up flat the next game. Alan, as our guest, I'll let you answer first.
0: Hot sell. (laughs) Kwame?
1: I'm selling it. Might as well give a donation. Like, give it away for free. I'm not taking it like legit that. we said the same thing after the spurs overtime win oh russell westbrook did it oh we're here one thing the one thing, the one
0: thing i will say about westbrook sorry to interrupt you Kwam, no you're good Is that he's becoming a lot more efficient in the games he's not turning the ball over as much yes. um even without lebron he wasn't turning the ball over he seems to pick his spots a lot better now um okay. it's the russell westbrook experience the more we get further into it the better he starts to look um that's one thing I will take away is Russell Westbrook is looking better, um, still not the level that I think he will get to February March time, which is why I was never worried whenever we talked about Russ. I was never worried about him. This is what happens. He looks like an idiot for like twenty games, and then you know he starts to get better. Um, no offense to Russ because he's legitimately like one of the best ten point guards to ever play basketball. Um, yeah, like, but. Looking at the coaching matchups, we have Tom Thibodeau next, and Tom Thibodeau is a better coach than Frank Vogel. And then we have Rick Carlisle, and Rick Carlisle will run rings around Frank Vogel. Oh, so,
2: shout out him; he's over there in Indiana. Hard right? sell,
1: hard yeah. sell, super hard sell for again all the reasons Alan said. But breaking the seal. We should have had to break the seal against the Detroit Pistons on the road. Granted, I saw the Lakers hadn't won in Detroit since 2014. But come on, this is a lottery team. This isn't a good team. Most most average NBA fans can't even name their starting five. Like, we should have ran them over out the gate. A comeback win that needed a Herculean effort from our stars doesn't really sit well with me. I'll take the win, but I don't feel good about it. I didn't go to sleep, you know, nestled under my blankets and covers, sleeping away like a baby. I was still mad. Like we shouldn't have won. We shouldn't have won like that. We should have won handedly. So I'll buy that quote if we run off a win streak. But if we don't. Yeah, I'm off it. So
2: I mean, the fact that we now the Lakers have are going into Madison Square Garden, the Lakers have LeBron James, Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook. And I don't think any of us are confident in what to expect in that game is is telling. It's telling how the season has gone so far up to this point. Um, I We asked Lakers fans uh, to describe the Lakers season so far with a tweet, uh, excuse me, with a movie title or a song title. And I everybody just is hitting the nail on the head of just, it is the good, the bad, and the ugly right now. You know, Alan, you talk about Russell Westbrook. I'm watching the replay and that jumper was looking better his aggressiveness was looking more fluid his decision making and his cutting off ball was looking more he was more aware of where he, he should be layups. hey it- who
0: would have thought off ball actions work oh my like is this are we in like 1995 that's what it feels like sometimes with this offense
2: in we got our top our top responses today i'm gonna i'm gonna read them all for our fans before we head into break um i'm gonna just redo this little section so yeah we just asked lakers fans to describe the, <laughs> the lakers season uh with a movie title or a song title so far we picked some of our favorites so thank you everybody who submitted their answers make sure you're following late light Wow! make sure you're following late night Lakers on Twitter and be a part of the conversation. You might get your name called up on the podcast, like these posts. Um, shout out Edwin Garcia. He said the Lakers season is kind of like uncut gems where it's a lot of dirty work up front, but uh, you know, he posted the quote of, this is how I win. Um, seems like he's a little bit more, um, positive about this than, than, than I am right now, but uh shout out Edwin. I think that was a good one. Oh, um, our boy, Hoodie Phil, uh, Late Night Late Show member. Go check out his this article. Phil's amazing. Um, he the put the, the games we play by pushing T. And uh, I heard that song in probably a while, so I went back Spears and played that. And obviously, y'all will be here playing underneath this segment a little clip of that. So that might be the theme of this episode, the games we play for Los Angeles Lakers 2021-2022 NBA season. Um... Shout out, Stephanie. We had Back and Forth by Aaliyah. Fitting. Pretty much describes how this Lakers season is going. Then we had Ball Bartlett. Quit Playing Games in My Heart by the Backstreet Boys. So, you know, a little bit of a 90s pop reference back there. I think that's pretty smooth. Then finally, the winner, though. Shout out, Ben Rich Sport. A thin line between love and hate, which is one of the all-time classic movies. One of uh, one of Martin Lawrence's uh, really coming of stage movies, and you know we can't ever forget how oh, I can't believe I keep forgetting that oh, wonderful older lady's name. Uh, the evil Angela Bassett, is what everybody's calling her right now. So shout out to them. But um, Ben Rich Sports pick of the night: the games we play, the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, Fellows, what do you think of those <laughs> song titles? What would you add if you had to describe the Lakers season? With a movie or song quote, I'll
0: go first. All I ask by Adele, right? You know Adele's obviously got that coach um, connection now. All I ask is the best breakup song I've ever heard, and the Lakers need to play it to Frank Vogel.
2: Heavy, we're gonna play that underneath the song too. I, <laughs> I I ran through Adele's album a couple times now. Uh, she's got a it's on play- a previous
0: album, Twenty Five. Adele Ooh. is the truth. Go listen to Adele.
2: Bet. plug. Shout out Adele. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take a quick break and when we come back we'll uh we'll start peeling back the curtains as to why our los angeles lakers just can't seem to get this ship consistent and what really is the the root cause for all of their issues with uh Kwame and allen late night lake show be right back On a scale of 1 to 10, how hot is Frank Vogel's seat?
0: It should be a 15, i.e. he should have been fired after the Boston game. Oof. But I think it's about a 7 or 8 right now.
2: Unpack that a him little sur- bit. Yeah, do you see him surviving the year? No. Wow. wow. Yeah. Well, let me ask this too, Alan. Is this, is this opinion or is this informed or some, some level of both?
0: I'll, I'll I'll leave that to the listeners to decide. Cool. Tell us, Alan, what do you think what is Frank <laughs> doing incorrectly that he,
1: that he would be in this position? Obviously, you could attribute some of it to the players and lack of effort and maybe even roster fit, but what is Frank not doing from his seat, his head coaching position to help this team thrive to the championship level that we are expected to be at?
0: So, shout out to Blipton. Before me and Quan record episodes of Blipson, we have about four hours of discourse about just everything, right? And most of that is either, you know, films, um, the Lakers, any other sports that we mention that we like. um, And we touched on this. And I was off on Frank Vogel because I was clouded by his elite defensive scheme and I thought he was an elite coach. He is not. The best coaches in the NBA are chameleons, right? You look at Eric Spolstra, and you look at the way Miami played in 2018, and you look at the way they're playing now, and they have some of the same players on that roster that they do now. They play a completely different way though. The thing that separates the elite coaches from the decent coaches, and don't get me wrong, I'm like criticizing Frank Vogel, but in no way am I saying that he's a bad coach. I think he's a decent coach. However, um, the one thing that separates them is the the fact that they're chameleons, right? They adapt to their rosters. Spolstra does it incredibly well. Um, Pat Riley did it incredibly well wherever he's been. Greg Popovich has done it superbly. I know he had the same nucleus, but if you look at the way they played basketball, all five championship-winning teams that he had played completely different brands of basketball. Same principles.
2: if we're just talking about LeBron and AD, so...
0: Yeah, like, so when you look at all that, I'm not saying the roster's perfect. The roster has legitimate flaws. However, it's much more suited around an offensive-based game, right? The yes. fact that we can't be a top ten offensive team when you have LeBron James, okay, albeit he's missed a ton of games. Um he's missed, what, six games? Um uh maybe a little bit more. Uh, he's missed a, f- a few games, but you still have Anthony Davis. You still have Russell Westbrook, who should who should have been like the difference this year between you know, the non-LeBron minutes, right? But he hasn't been. And that's down to coaching. At, 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 cer- at a certain point, you can cr- you're you not telling me that I'm watching Montres Harrell in Washington and the dude looks like a player worth $18 million a year again. Why? Because the Wizards know how to utilize him. Isn't it insane that after Montrezl Harrell was like, we were all certain that he was out of our price range when he signed for the Lakers? then went to the point where he opted into his contract because he wasn't sure that he was going to get 9.7 mil on the open market. Like, l- Let's just talk facts right now. And then if we're talking defensive scheme, if your defensive scheme is predicated on having an Alex Caruso, and, and you guys know how much I love Alex Caruso. So this pains me to say, because I think Alex Caruso is a top five guard defensively in the NBA. If your whole defensive scheme falls... Thanks, Siri. If your whole defensive scheme mm, falls Siri's apart... Siri's like, I'm not sure
2: about that one.
0: <laughs> because you don't have an Alex Caruso, then your defensive scheme is flawed. Fundamentally. Like, he needs the perfect pieces to be a successful head coach. And the Lakers don't have that, right? But you have more than adequate pieces, especially offensively, to run a top 10 offense. Defensively, the Lakers are, are about where I expected them to be. They're, they're about middle of the road which is fine. That's all you need this offen- this whole team to be. But the offense is so bad that it doesn't matter how average the defense is. It needs to be elite to, be- to-, to counteract the offensive side of things. And that's where this is getting lost right now is, yes, the Lakers are not great defensively, but they're also not terrible if you look at the numbers. They're terrible when Avery Bradley and DeAndre Jordan play, yet they play some of the most minutes on the actual team. actually, like, go against what Frank Vogel is all about. So, yeah, I'm I'm very frustrated just with everything at the moment.
2: Alan, what do you make of stats like this? The Lakers, you know, we're talking about rankings, offensive and defensively. The Lakers are sixth in the league in points per game. And they're actually tied for, you know, fifth. I don't know why they're ranked sixth on basketball reference. Um, but they're uh, tied with the Trailblazers for 109.9 points per game. So 110 points per game, right? We drop down to 20th in offensive efficiency. Our offensive rating. No, we are 23rd in offensive rating. How in the hell are we scoring points, but the points are coming? So what? So we're playing keep up? We're playing shooting just to... Yeah, explain this to me. What does that tell you if the Lakers are sixth in points but 23rd in offensive rating?
0: It means we get a lot of chances to score. It means that we're quite... So offensive rating is very interesting, right? Because it can be manipulated in certain ways. But in this case, it's not manipulated because it feels like it's even high for the way we watch the Lakers play offense. Mm -hmm. Um, The points per game thing is interesting But purely, it's high because you have LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, and Anthony Davis on the same team. Like, points per game means nothing. And look at the quality of teams we've faced. 18 games in, we've probably had the easiest schedule in the NBA alongside, like, Golden State and stuff. So I'd expect the points to be high. However, if you're doing it in garbage time or you're unnecessarily longing out games, like where it goes like two or three overtime, so you're naturally scoring 125 points. It inflates the stats. That's a good point. Like, look at it. And then last night, the Pistons. And then you look at the Pistons game and they scored 121 points. But yeah, you're playing against the Pistons. They're not great. They're they're really, really bad. If we're we're actually going to call a spade a spade, like, I think alongside Houston, they're probably the two worst teams in the NBA. Um, So when you, when you, that's why they had the top two picks, obviously. So when you add all that together, yeah, I'm not. I don't care about points per game. Points per game for me is irrelevant. It's the efficiency that you do it in. It's the schemes that you run as an offense as to how easy it is to score. And also, we've had nuclear shooting most of the season. What happens when we start bricking everything, which will happen at some point this season? Are we going to start losing games by 60? Mm, like, point. Legitimately.
1: Legitimately. I do got a question though. So obviously you spoke on Frank's system and that how it's predicated on having players like Alex Caruso, KCP guys that you know are able to work what he wants to do on defense. Not having that and watching our offensive struggles, was this basically is our offense how different is it in this season as compared to previous seasons, or was our defense just masking a ton and we basically just let LeBron and AD carry the load, and now we're seeing what happens when that defense isn't there. Our offense can't get anything going.
0: Two things were masking it LeBron James, and he masks it still to this day whenever he plays, right? Like, you look at the offense for the Lakers in the first quarter against the Celtics, it looks great. Mm. Why? Because the Celtics haven't adjusted to what the Lakers are doing yet. LeBron James is a wizard, regardless of how old he is or how much he's played. And, you know, defensively, the Lakers are still relatively good enough that they can get out in the fast break, and Anthony Davis is a unicorn. So, you add all that together, yeah. You will look great at times, but then what happens when adjustments are made by coaches? We have he shits himself. That
2: we have we have the, the Lakers are on minus twenty in the third quarter. A minus twenty. I'm looking at this ranking. You know who's worse than the Lakers in the third quarter? The Pistons and the Houston Rockets. These are signs of incompetency coming out of the locker room. I'm sorry, adjustments during the game going live that's coaching but that's a lot on the players going through the the runs and droughts of a basketball game and how they can respond and keeping their heads and being in that systematically coming out of halftime you consistently get the doors blown off you that points to one person that points to frank vogel whatever he is or is not talking about and also it points to his players not reacting or responding to whatever the hell he's talking about one of the two he's the common denominator as a problem i'm getting at a point where i'm just like you know what franklin Maybe we should just have someone else talking during the fucking, you know, halftime performances. Maybe Genie should come down and say a couple words. Maybe Magic should come in and just say say some really blanket general statements like, you got to play better basketball if you want to win. You got to put the ball in the hoop and play defense if you want to be successful tonight. Because right now, I'm at a point where Frank Vogel is just a dead man walking. Like similar to how I see Matt Nagy with the Bears and just like, oh, you just out there just talking because you know you your house about to be put up for sale soon and you kind of still got to hold the fort down to make sure that folks don't know that the inside of the house is actually on fire. So unless there is a kumbaya session where everyone's like, oh no, we love Frank. We support Frank so much. Has anyone said anything about how much they love Frank? Has anyone? LeBron
0: has made it clear through sources in the past that he really respects and likes Frank Vogel. Okay. But really respecting and liking Frank Vogel and thinking he's the right coach for this team are two different things completely, right? Yep. And you've not heard any support like at all. Like, not even like, you know, like Finley Veiled comments where you're like, Oh yeah, we 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 are still behind that, you know, all the coaching and stuff. Or, yeah, you know? or
1: like, you know, we just it's up to us to go out and execute the coach's game plan.
2: We're not doing nope. it. I'm not hearing any of that. the
0: opposite. Yeah. Like he says we're not prepared. And we're I'm not like,
2: prepared. We're, and he said this is a consistent trend. Who who who, who riding on the clipboard? So it's so not there's Rondo.
0: Two, there's two possible outcomes here. Either Frank Vogel says nothing at halftime. Which I highly doubt. Just in general, I highly doubt because I think he would have been fired by now. Or the players just disagree with everything that he says, so they half-heartedly do it. But you see the half-heartedness in the third quarters. Yeah, they don't. They don't believe in the adjustments that he's made.
1: Is which, it, if he makes any, because we see the other teams always do. But I don't know if we do. I, maybe they just go to the locker room and have a, and eat nachos at the nacho bar. I have no. I idea. doubt
0: it. As a coach, I doubt it. <laughs>
1: I just don't know
2: what's happening. I think,
0: I think Frank Vogel, like I said, I think he's a good coach. I, I, I say all this, like this criticism.
2: Good coach, fired all the time.
0: Yeah, and Frank Vogel should be an NBA head coach. However,
2: not this roster.
0: He should not be the head coach of this roster. Tell me, Alan, what do you think Eric Spolscher would do with this roster? He'd be sixteen and two right now. Wow. Okay. He'd be sixteen and two right now.
1: So tell me, I know our offense obviously has rules and we don't highlight literally any of our star strengths. How do you feel about the the just ISO the Russell Westbrook ISOs and the Anthony Davis post-ups with no other actions on the court? Yeah, how, how do you, do you think it? that could be effective in the long term?
0: It can't. Just, just, just straight up. <laughs> like it can't. Like let, let's just talk about the AD post-ups. A D post it up is fine. The reason why his points per possession in post-ups is so low is because there's no actions to come off that post-up. It's basically AD play against four of the guys on defense. We'll still have someone in the dunker spot, even though we're playing AD at the five, so we don't need anyone in the dunker spot. So we clog up his space anyway, so we don't actually gain an advantage from AD being at the five offensive. Like, if we're just going to talk AD posting up. So when you, when, you, when you look at this, like how many times have we seen AD post up where he's, he's at the five and Russell Westbrook's in the dunker spot? The
1: whole time. Or he's the one throwing the ball on the strong side and his man just goes to double team instantly and Russell doesn't cut, he just stays
0: there. If Russ cuts there, that's a layup. That's a basket. Yep, it's a basket. It's a layup. Or the guy comes out and helps. Russ dishes it out because Russ is a very, very good passer. And he's got an excellent vision. So he passes it out. They start scrambling. You'll get a wide open jump shot eventually, right? Yeah. But when and at this point, I just think it's instruction, right? Because I don't care how much players don't like to move off ball. If it's part of your scheme, you'll do it. You 100% will. We've seen it. Do you think Steph Curry likes moving off the ball? No, of course he doesn't. Hell no. He likes to be able to be in control of the ball the entire time. He's great at moving off the ball, but he doesn't like it. No player likes moving off the ball. Rick, you played high school basketball, though.
2: Yeah, there we go. Yep, sure did. In your schemes, did you hate
0: moving off ball?
2: Oh, yeah. They had me setting screens all over the fucking floor. Did you still do it, though? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'd, like, knock people over.
0: (laughs) Oh, brother. But the point still stands, though, right? If you've ever played basketball, you don't like moving off all, but you know you need to do it to get... It's a certain means to an end, right? Yep. Either you will score, or you'll create an advantage for your teammate to score. And if you do it enough times, you'll get a wide-open jump shot, or a wide-open layup, or you'll get fouled, or something will ha- happen from it. Or, even if you just get AD posting up one-on-one. That's what you want when you want Anthony Davis posting up. That never happens. Ever. Like, I've not watched the Lakers play with AD at the five once, and he's had a straight one-on-one post-up. Or if he has, he has him in the first half, like against the Spurs. He completely dominates them, and then Greg Popovich sends four people at him.
2: Like, yeah, and that's sure. the end of that. Then it's never to seen be seen again. And also, your point is, no counters are being played off of that. Because unbeknownst to Frank, apparently he thinks that the opposing coaches are just going to sit on their ass and be like, well... Somebody better guard Anthony Davis. Which one of y'all going to step up? This isn't like, you know, a high school musical type of pet talks in the in the locker room. They're actually talking about real life shit, pulling up the film, talking about rotations and schemes and how to counter that and also how to counter their possible counter to that. And I, I, we're just sitting up here, thumbs up our ass. Like, yeah, Like you said, it might, it might be hitting up the nacho bar. I don't know. I don't know. And I then if
0: we're going to talk about Russell Westbrook ISOs, we saw it against the Celtics. It worked three times in a row. Why the hell are we going back to it the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh time after he's turned the ball over after the three times it works? Exactly. Or like, they
1: switch a bigger defender on him
0: to help and, contain and, his, his strength. And that's fine, right? But you don't need to go ISO there. You, like we saw it against the Pistons, as soon as he went pick and roll with AD and Russell Westbrook,
1: it was what trouble. happened? It was trouble. Every
0: time. Yeah. Basketball isn't complicated. This is why it's pissing me off so much. Yeah. Again, sorry for my, like, you know, very. Not um, needed. Like, more. I'm very animated right now, it's but it, 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 it infuriates me. I, mean, how, how if I can have... see it? Yeah. How can an NBA coach not see this? Or if he does see it and chooses to ignore it, that's gross negligence. Yeah.
1: I mean, how many high screener roles have we seen Russ run with AD? I,
0: I can't tell you a number, but it's low. It's probably low. one of the lowest like high-screen pick-and-roll, like just percentages in the NBA if you look at two players. hundred percent. We probably have the best
1: – we probably have three of the best finishers around the basket, and we have no way to get them to cut loose because it's just ISO what one whatever
0: do you remember when we used to go like the small pick and roll where LeBron's handling the ball, Russell Westbrook's setting the screen, and then all, you're creating a mismatch there immediately because you'll either have the small guy um, switching onto LeBron James, which is what LeBron wants. You'll have Russell Westbrook diving off the screen. He'll, have, he'll be rolling off the screen. If LeBron passes in the ball, that's where you create the mismatch, right? And then you either have AD open at the rim or Russell Westbrook's going to score. It works. We ran it like five times this season. And that was all in one game. Why have we gone away from that?
2: He wants to hide it, bro. He's he dead. wants to put in his war chest. And like, up, oh, they'll never know. They'll never know it's coming back out in the playoffs, and then he, he won't, won't make it. it. He, it. he won't, it won't make it, bro. This is kind of like my my finishing bow on why Franklin is just not not my dude. Um, he uh, he saves. His quote-unquote optimal lineups—we've seen him do it year after year uh, for the playoffs. And you know, on this show, we hypothesize: why the hell would he do that? And the number one thing we come back to is like, you—you know—he doesn't want too much film. Yeah, I, I,
0: I've been a big proponent of that. I've—I've—I've I've, I've mentioned that multiple times. Right. Okay. But but, but at the same time, mm-hmm. we're nine and nine. You need to get to the playoffs. It's not Definitely. like we're sixteen and two, and we're talking about these problems. You have to get there first. And this roster, I don't care how bad they are defensively. With the with the schedule they've had, Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook playing every single game, they should not be 9-9. Nine and nine. I don't care if Ariza's missed time. I don't care how much Taylor and Horton Tucker's missed. I don't care that Austin Reeves hasn't played. Kendrick Nunn, I don't know what the hell's happening with him. It's like he's gone into witness protection. We've heard no update about him. No, thanks. Yeah. Like, what the hell's going on there? It's it's just infuriating because a lot of this, rotations, offensive scheme, and his defensive scheme, which we can talk about if you want. I'm more than happy to. Um, yeah, like it, this is all down to the coach or the coaching. Staff. The players have blame. Of course they do. No coach is ever 100% to blame. However, when you don't adapt and you try and do the same thing again and again and again and again, hoping that it will work, even though you know it won't, that's literally the definition of insanity.
2: Kwame, buy or sell that Frank Vogel is going to make it to the playoffs as the Lakers head coach.
1: Oh, just, that's a fire sale. I'm selling it. I don't think I don't think he makes it. I'll be honest. Like, unless there's some drastic, you know, he has a revelation and all of a sudden he, you know, reads from the temple of basketball knowledge and he just gets a book and all of a sudden he's this mastermind and completely reworks our defense and offense to fit our scheme perfectly. I don't think it's gonna make it. We're seeing at the point where if LeBron is struggling to cover your incompetencies, I don't know if you're gonna make it, man. Like, it's just hard. And, like Alan had said, we don't have the, the defensive players that Frank needs for his system to be the elite system that we've come to know, and he has yet to make an adjustment. He's trying to run the same pick and roll ices on you know these quick guards with Wayne Ellington and Russell Westbrook. It's not gonna let's work talk about insane. the drop,
0: let's talk about the drop coverage.
1: The drop, I, I want oh. to- <laughs>
0: He still runs, even with AD at the five He still runs defensive schemes As if he's playing two bigs Not one, two AD is the unicorn So because of that, you can switch Switch. Or at the the minimum, you can hard hedge If like a Dwight's playing Right. right, And then Dwight gets the hell back to dodge On his guy, before he gets a wide open layup right? And then you have the defensive guys Who are on help, helping Dwight out Until he gets back to the ball We don't do any of that and then Steph Curry comes into Staples, or the Crypto Arena now. Shout out to the Crypt. Um, yeah. Like, it's hilarious. Shea Gilgis Alexander legitimately looked like he was shocked as to how much room he got Feast when he's it. played us twice. Like, he's like, okay, you're going to give me 15 feet of room in this drop coverage. Cool. Free. Every single time. So I don't blame Carmelo Anthony for that free that Steph's remember when everyone was, like, completely killing Melo? For that three that Steph dropped on us in the first game of the season, which basically turned the game in the fourth yeah. quarter. everyone's going, oh, how can Melo do that? It's the scheme. He's doing what the coach wants him to do. A a drop. Drop. Like, you know, it's your first game in a new offense in a new system in- with a new coach and a new team. You're not gonna go against what the coach wants, even if it is wrong. So, you know, and I'm not saying that Melo's a good defender, Melo is a bad defender. He is. It, 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 it he was never the greatest. defender when he was 28, let alone when he's 37.
2: No god, I, don't say that age out loud again.
0: However, well, that's prime of your life, Ricky. That's what I'm saying.
2: No, no, you're you're, you're not in the NBA years. Not in the NBA. I when just like 20. I'm just I just like watching Melo and not remembering how old he is. So, Yeah,
0: Melo's yeah. Melo's legitimately been one of the best signings in free agency. Without a doubt, like in general, <clears throat> for two point seven million, what Melo is giving you right now is incredible. However, he's won us four games and we're nine and nine.
1: That's yeah. Putting that into perspective is gnarly. He's basically single-handedly saved us four times, and we only have nine wins. You guys Shout look out at to this
0: Carmelo. He's great. I love him. I'm so glad he's a Laker. Wish it happened ten years earlier
2: basketball reference does a really good job outlining like the margins of victories in a visual format just right at the top right Mm -hmm. and their game results and if they lose it'll show a red bar and based on how much they lose by is the length of the red bar and you gotta get a feel for how the season's going just by taking an overall look at this and we'll post a picture here but pretty much it's A lot of reds, obviously, it's as many reds as greens, but the reds are louder because of how big they are. The Lakers are getting smoked when they lose. They're losing by 10, 12, 15, 20 points, you know what I'm saying? And they're winning by four, five, seven. We don't have a whole lot of double digit, you know, crazy margin of victory. This is very shaky ground right now as far as what are we to expect. Right now, it feels like the Lakers are either going to, if they are going to win, going to be in a nail-biter dogfight that they come out on top, or they're going to get sent straight to hell by at least the third quarter. By midway through the third, it will be the end of the game. And, you know, for the nation, it's not healthy. To go into a basketball game, not expecting, not knowing what to expect out of your team. Consistency is the greatest, uh, it's the greatest trait to have. Say it again consistency is the greatest trait to have. And that's by the beautiful Adele. She dropped that. She said, Are you crazy? Frank Vogel and his team. Are anything but consistent. The only thing that is consistent is that the third quarter is going to be a disaster. And that is a sign of a bad basketball team and a not well ran, led, coached basketball team. We have a very long way to go in this NBA season. But if things aren't adjusted and the trajectory of this team, it, it's, we're done with the turbulence. We need to see some, you know, some departure flights. Frank's head's going to be the first one to roll. And that's kind of how this thing goes in the NBA. You know, I'm, we didn't talk about trades on this episode, y'all. We're wrapping up here. We didn't talk about trades. You can't talk about trade because we're going to have a new head coach before you see a trade. Like, that's what you can guarantee. Like, I know everybody's like, where would you send Russell Westbrook right now? Allen just got done telling you. This is the rust that you'll see every single year it was going to keep keep going and the thing that we like about russ and we can look forward to in russ is that trajectory usually goes in the right direction the more Already miles he get in that season and we're seeing it right but as a whole this uneasiness franklin franklin they they gonna come knock the, the grim reaper gonna come knocking at your door first my brother you are an NBA head coach. You have an NBA championship. You have been to the finals with another NBA team. No, I'm sorry. My bad. I was thinking about the Magic Dwight Howard I was saying Van Gundy for our pregame talk. Anyways, you are an NBA head coach, man. You battled with LeBron, with Paul George. You, you, We know you're okay. This just might be the end of your runway here in La La Land. And, you know, you ask Allen, it should have happened after the Boston game. So any final I- words, fellas, before we wrap up? I got a question
1: for the group, man. So we got our next five games. We got Knicks, Kings. Sorry, Knicks, Pacers, Kings, Pistons,
2: Kings. How many of those do we win? What are those six games or five games? You said five.
0: Is Frank so, in charge for all of them?
2: Yep. Let's sure is, Alan. Is. Yes. One win. Wow. One Alan, win. Which who, who we, we grab the win
1: against? The Kings? Pistons oh. at home. Oh, okay, yeah, because we Alvin gotta...
0: Gentry will run competent offensive schemes with D'Aaron Fox and Harrison Barnes, and they'll score a shit ton.
2: And he'll
1: probably bring Bagley out of hell.
2: That's what I was gonna you say. You know, dust the <laughs> dust off Bagley and get him being a competent NBA Shout player. Shout out to
0: the Kings for realizing they finally made a mistake.
2: Yeah, but I mean, the Kings makers, literally can. they wrote their own prescription and then OD'd off. They of should have done it so... in the summer. Like literally,
0: all they had to do was fire Luke Walton and hire Alvin Gentry in the summer they would have been fine
2: gentry gets wins. that's a good point um i'm going three and two man hey i'm hey i'm not prescribing to these post-game quotes you know but you know i guess lebron drew blood i don't know i don't know can that emotionally charge these 30 year old grown men to perform better as a unit on a basketball coach with an uninspiring head coach i don't i don't know we'll find out i'll say three and two Kwame. what about you I got us two and three. I think mm-hmm. we win the Pistons in one of the two Kings games. That's how I'm looking at it right now. Well, that's a great way to wrap up the Late Night Late Show podcast. Positives. Tune in to us next week. What'd you say, co- <laughs> What'd you say? Alex?
0: Positives. Taylor Horn yeah. took us really, really good. Positives. Yes. Austin Reeves will be back soon. Yeah. Positives. Kendrick Nome will probably come out of witness protection very soon. Maybe. Uh, yeah. LeBron James is still a, a Laker. Hopefully he won't be suspended sus- for the next game. DeAndre Jordan might not start a game again this year if Frank gets
2: fired.
1: He is. We won. He star- well, yeah, if he gets fired, he I was going to say. He started. Yeah, we won the game. He started. They're,
2: they're tied He's at playing. the hip. That's his Roy Hibbert, man. That's his Roy Hibbert. That's his, that's his, that's his L-O-M-L. Name. Love of my life. Him and Avery's Appreciate the on. voice of uh, positivity at the end. Yeah, Avery Bradley. We said this before. Uh, as far as um, uh, efficiency rating go, there isn't a worse Laker uh, besides Kim Baysmore than Avery Bradley. So player efficiency ratings, a little bit of a tricky stat, but if you just want to know what your eyes are telling you and confirmation that this has been a stinky experience for both A B and Kent, look no further than that. But we got positives, guys. We'll 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 see. We're all patiently waiting. We are if I could add another quote, another a, um, another song movie list, I'm going to say waiting to exhale. That's where I'm at right now. I have taken a deep breath. And like Aubrey Graham says, I got to take a deep breath when I catch an attitude. That's where we're at. Lakers do another week of this. Oh, it's going to get ugly on here. Oh, it's going to get ugly. I'm going to bring folks on that's going to talk ugly, and it's just going to be, it's just not going to be pretty. But hey, to be continued. We're going to get out of here, guys. Appreciate you for joining us on this episode of the Late Night Lake Show podcast. Alan, our brother, thank you so much for being back on with us. We'll make sure that it's not as long of a hiatus before we get you back on. What are you doing tomorrow? I'm just fine, but
0: I'm in my first school tomorrow. I'm excited.
2: Hey, there you go.
0: So I like to hear just a little bit of experience before I start the whole teacher training thing. But yeah, good, good, good signs. So I'm unavailable tomorrow, Ricky. Sorry. Okay. All
2: right. For sure. We'll figure something else out. <laughs> All right, y'all. Y'all take care of yourselves. Lakers play the New York Knickerbockers tomorrow. Um, We are, of course, part of the 19 Media Group, powered by the 19 Media Group. Make sure that you are following all of those great shows over there, including Allen's Lakerside Chats. Um, For Kwame and Allen, it's Ricky. See y'all next week. Peace.